Hi, everyone. This is Regina. Hi, horse lovers. This is Lynn. This week on the Horse Industry Podcast. Show season's upon us, Lynn, and I am trying to kind of look at my wardrobe and decide what shirts, what pants, and what cute things I'm going to take to the horse shows. And I look to Detail Diva and Angela Shirey to be kind of my guidepost. I have so much Detail Diva in my closet. In fact, we were at a cattle show a couple weekends ago, and I had on a wild rag, and I wasn't quite sure if I had it tied right. And it's a wild rag that, of course, came from Detail Diva. So I stopped by the booth, and they tied me up. Oh, she's it's a blast. I love shopping her stuff. So check out Detail Diva. Okay, here we go, Lynn. When I was, oh gosh, I would say a middle-aged amateur. I had... What are you now? I'm still a middle-aged amateur, but I'm on the older end of middle age. I'm going to be middle-aged till I'm 80. Okay. Okay. I think I start middle-aged at what, 30? And we're going to end middle-aged at 80? I don't know. Sure. I'm in the middle of my life. Sure. I hope I'm in the middle of my life. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Okay. Let me rephrase that. I had shown horses until my probably my mid-20s. And then I went off and I had a life and I, you know, had babies and and you just... Probably money. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I had way more money. Oh, God. Let's let's talk about that topic at another time. But I had stopped showing. But when I had been showing up until that point, we rode very, very differently. Most of the corrections that we did was from our hands our and fingertips. The, yeah. Our fingertips or the one hand on the rein and you kind of took yeah. your hands. Yeah. And our, our legs just kind of were there. We didn't really use them except giddy up, kick, 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 kick. Right. I mean, when I kicked, it was to go fast, not to slow down. And so when I got back to showing years and years later, all these pleasure horses were, you know, you used your legs. They were spur trained. And I didn't know what the Sam Hell that was. And so what I did in the pino and paint world is I went, I started at the walk trot. I went to paint shows with my daughter. She was shown in the regular stuff. I went to the walk trot. Now, I didn't have any physical limitations. I didn't have any cognitive limitations. But for me, it was a really good way to get back to showing in an environment where I didn't have to lope and I could practice using my legs and maneuvering in a crowded show pen in a way that I had never ridden before. Yeah. So your interview with Julie Harnish really talks about that walk trot program and what it's done for the industry. Yeah. And it's, she is, she in her interview, well, I'm not, I'm just going to let her say it. She really gives a unique perspective of where she started out believing and and supporting Walk Trot and where she is now. Julie Harnish, thank you for being on the Horse Industry Podcast. Well, thank you for asking me. Yes. So glad that you could be here with us so that you can kind of talk with us about Walk Trot. It's a hot, topic. In fact, just recently there was, I don't want to say it was a heated conversation, but there are strong opinions about the walk trot classes. Were you always on board with walk trot? Nope. When it first started, I thought it was dumb. I mean, (laughs) I could not understand why these particularly ladies, okay, were not loping. They can lope a horse. 
Then I began to watch the class. Then I began to see how there were ladies that had issues. Okay. They were afraid. Mm-hmm. They had had a really bad incident with a previous horse. Does it mean they're on the wrong horse if they're afraid? I mean, are they just not matched with the correct horse? They're afraid because previously they'd been on a wrong horse. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my ladies has had a broken back. In fact, two of my ladies have had broken backs from getting tossed from a horse. And the fact that they're even back doing this is a testimony to how much they love it. Right. And neither one of them are highly motivated to lope, but one of them's on their third horse. One of them, and oh, excuse me, both of them are on their third horse. Not because the others weren't suitable. It's because they just want better horses. Awesome. And so they're, they, they started in the walk trot and yet they're seeking to get more or purchase more or have a partner that's a little more talented in the same walk trot division. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Which kind of goes along with the idea. And I think I've shared this with you in the past that, you know, I believe that every horse has a job that they can do. Perhaps they're not going to be that Western pleasure world champion, but they might be really good at ranch riding or showmanship or what have you. What I like about walk trot is that it creates a market for horses whose jobs usually would be done. Right. Because it originally that got fulfilled in the youth walk trot. You saw a lot of little kids on mom's old show horse, you know, sister's old show horse, whatever old show horse we could go find for them to ride. That's what you would see in the youth. Well, it's now just kind of propagated itself into the amateur division. And that's exactly what you're finding now. You know, you've, you've got these horses that maybe are, and I'm not even, ring sour is probably not the correct word, but they've just done this enough. They're tired mm-hmm. or they're old enough that they don't move like the horse that's going to be, re- the movement that's going to be required to be in the top six. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mean they can't jog. And it's a mm-hmm. lot easier to keep a jogging horse sound and going around the pen than it is to keep an old loping horse going around correctly. Do you think there's the chance that as this program grows, that there's going to be horses that just never are lopers, that they never even get to the point of, do you, do you, you're going to see the talented joggers that just, that's all they do. Right now, you know, and we've got a lot of them, you know, Brent and I have a lot of walk jog ladies in our barn and they're all in training. So that's why it's good for the industry. They're in training, just like everybody else's horse and Brent lopes them Mm -hmm. and I'll make these ladies lope at home just because they need to, but some of them do it very willingly. And some of them put a death grip on the back of the saddle (laughs) as they hang around and they're like, okay, you told me I had only had to lope the length of the arena and that's (laughs) as far as they'll lope. (laughs) So it is kind of creating a market for cute joggers. It, a real right, and that's why this one of my ladies was is now on her third horse. She has a great horse. In fact, it's the number one pleasure horse in Pino in 2022. Wow. Okay. Okay. So it's the High Point Western Pleasure Horse. 
It's just not a fancy enough jogger mm. for her to jog. So we bought her a new horse that's a, new, a better jogger. APHA implemented the Adult Walk Trot Division in 2011, and AQHA was in 2016. How long has Pinno had the Walk Trot Division? Do you know? Did they do it before Paint and Quarter Horse? No. No? Um, okay. It's been fairly new. Well, I'm going to say it's been in the last 10 years. So. Okay. So how have you seen it grow? By leaps and bounds. By leaps and bounds. In Pinto, it is some of the the biggest classes at the world show and at the Color Breed Congress, even at the everyday weekend shows. I mean, it is nothing for a walk trot on our weekend shows up in Michigan or Ohio to have 14 to 17 walk trot ladies in it. And that's not broke by age division. Like when you get to the Pinot Worlds, then it's broke by age division and you take the elite, which is the oldest ladies. And how old are the, what's the elite? Is that 55 and over 55 and over. Okay. And that class is the biggest class. Wow. The biggest class. And is, is there a different camaraderie with the walk trotters? I don't think so. I think what I find is because a lot of these, they share a personal experience. They share the fact that they've just gotten back to riding. They've never rode. Their daughter did. Now they've decided this is something they want to try. You know, the elite are full of ladies that are have worked very hard and now have a little money to spend and they just want to have a good time. And these late, they're like a sorority. <laughs> I mean, they, they look for each other on the weekends. They chat with each other all through the week. The hardest thing they go through is the winter dry spell when they can't oh. talk to each other and see each other. Right. So they develop keen friendships. And I really have to honestly say, I don't ever see a lot of bitterness because they lost, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of age and experience that comes with being that or experience that comes with being that age. So therefore they know how to politically lose. Yes. And be gracious winners. You brought up a good point in that these are exhibitors who have, they've raised their families, they've had successful careers, and now they want to enjoy a hobby that they've always loved. Lynn and I had recorded an episode called 40H, where we said, okay, we know what 4H is, right? We get kids involved with the different projects, et cetera, et cetera. But we think there should be 40H because by the time you're 40 or over, you're established, maybe you've got some, you've got some money to spend. And we really feel like the industry would benefit if we did cater to that, that socioeconomic group. Well, it's proving itself in this, I think even in the walk truck canners, I mean, mm -hmm. you watched, I watched the Masters Walk Trot Canner, mm -hmm. Western Pleasure, at the World Show last year via the internet. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, 
there were very successful women who were the top four. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the average horse was well over what most people spend on their house. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yes. You know, yeah, because they can, they can, they have yeah. done well for themselves. They can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on a much smaller scale, you know, for you, when you go every weekend, yeah, these, these ladies are enjoying their retirement. All right. The husbands don't complain as long as the wife comes home. Now, granted, it's their money. And a lot of them have done their own money, but the husbands don't complain if they come home and they're happy. Right. If they come home and they had a bad ride and this went bad and, you know, this is, and I'm just going to have to, well, move this, or I'm going to have to get a different horse. Well, guess what? They're going to buy a boat. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times Lynn and I look at each other and go, God, maybe we should just get a boat or maybe we need to get that cabin up north because, you know, by the time you have sick horse, lame horse, but, but, you know, yeah. Once in a while you just look at each other and go, is this worth it? But it is in the end it is. So abuse, do you see anyone abusing the category? Well, no differently than I think that I see any of the other divisions being abused. Okay. There's people in novice that shouldn't be in novice. Okay, but because the rule said they could, they did. They stuck around. Yeah. You know, so I don't think it's any worse in the walk trot. And I think that you need to keep your mind open to the purpose for it, for that individual for one year. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know my sister Joni, she was the number one amateur this year in the walk Mm -hmm. trot canter. Awesome. She's going to bring her, what will it be, three-year-old next year? Yes, she has one. She bought one of her own. Um, mm-hmm. And I know she's going to do walk trot with it for the first mm-hmm. year because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to ruin her horse mm-hmm. by pushing it to make it lope. Mm-hmm. But she still wants to participate. Yeah. She wants yeah. to come spend the weekends with her friends and get that experience for her horse. And yes. So is that abuse? Maybe, but it's on a different horse. So that's a great segue. I, the question that I ask, I, and I don't understand who should be in walk trot, Julie, who should be in walk trot. Is it someone who lacks confidence or is fearful Or is it someone who has physical limitations? And if, should, are both, should both be welcome in this division? Should it be separated? How how can you ever manage that? We've got so many rules. Who is supposed to be the walk trot exhibitor? And is it fair for people who do have physical limitations, say they have, you know, they have a hip issue or they have rheumatoid arthritis or they have vertigo or, you know, a a plethora of different physical limitations. Is it fair that they have to compete against people who, who maybe are just, they just don't have confidence. Who, who should be in walk trot? I don't know that I necessarily have a place where I want to draw a line that says, Okay. okay, this person is in this person shouldn't be in because 
you never know the individual circumstances. Isn't that the truth? You can look at someone and think, wow, they got it all together. They're abusing the system. They should not be in walk trot and you don't know the baggage that they carry. And that's one of my ladies that I said got really, really hurt. Her trainer bought her a young horse. The trainer wasn't paying it close enough attention to what was happening. She got really, really hurt. You would never know it with what we send to the pen, okay, mm-hmm. in walk trot. But you also wouldn't know what it takes to emotionally prepare her that everything's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really hard to say yes and no for the individual circumstances. Now, I kind of have a little problem with, particularly Pino, they let you switch back and forth. You can show Walk Trot Canner at last weekend's show, and you can come back to Walk Trot at this weekend's show. Oh, really? I have a little bit of a problem with that. I think that if you if you want to start out the year in Walk Trot, okay, let's use Joni again for an example. She's mm-hmm. got her young horse. Maybe by about July, this thing is really coming on. So she says, great, I'm going to start loping. The rest of the season, she lopes. But, you know, Pinto allows you to flop back and forth. And that's a little bit, you know, I kind of question a little bit about, oh, you know, if you can lope there, why are you in the walk trot classes? How on earth do you keep track of your points if you're running in two divisions? Well, you really don't ever ever need to work. Well, Pinto does because they're different classes. Yeah. But. Here's the thing with all the walk trot classes, you, you're you going to be novice. They don't count for anything. Got it. Got so it. when you bump up, no matter what association you're going to bump to, you're going to bump up as a novice. So usually in paint, you've got your walk trot, equitation, hunter under saddle, western pleasure, horsemanship, et cetera, et cetera. When, and we think about Pinnell, there are so many more classes in Pinnell that you can go on, like the ideal classes, and there's English Pleasure versus Hunter Under Saddle. Does Pinnell offer walk trot in all of those yep. extra? They do. So there's walk trot ideal, yep. Western, walk trot, Hunter yep. Under Saddle. Wow. The one That's- thing that they have not done yet that I know that Paint does, and I will commend them for that, is that the Paint will allow... At the world show, they give a walk trot high point. Yeah. Pinot doesn't do that yet. There's no walk trot high point. Excuse me. There is a walk trot high point. I'm talking about at the end of the year. The year end. Yes. Okay. So at the year end, you've got a top 20 in Uh paint that you get a buckle for. Pinto doesn't award the top 20. They award the individual tops in each class but they don't combine it like the all-around amateur or the all-around youth. Why do you think that is? Do you think there's, I mean, I had read somewhere that it diminished, that walk trot has a potential to diminish the elite feel of our circuits, our pleasure circuits. The I would agree with that. You would? Yep. The, the breed shows. Okay. Yep. I would, I would concur that it, it, stands that chance. Okay. Because you are finding that the elite Western pleasure is much smaller than it used to be. 
Well, I think Western pleasure classes in general are so much smaller. I mean, even in the, even at a show, you know, if you're any, if you're, and I think of my daughter, you know, she'll go into the showmanship class at a paint show and she'll have, you know, 18. By the time we get to the Western pleasure, sometimes it drops to six. People just don't show in the Western pleasure and her mayor is actually pretty good at it. That's correct. And I believe that that is partially because of our, where we have sent the Western pleasure in our industry. Those horses are so hmm, trained. You have to ride them so carefully to make them lope every stride correctly that your average rider, thus why the walk trot ladies won't bump up, your average rider cannot make them go around the pen like that. And if you don't hold them and make them do that pleasure just correctly, some of those horses can be a disaster. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And I mean, I'm going to use myself as an example because you know this. When I came back, so I showed as a youth and a young amateur, I've shown horses my whole life. When my oldest daughter had aged out and I was kind of waiting for my youngest daughter to, to catch up and get ready to show, she was doing lead line. And so I decided to show my daughter's mare, even though I had won a ton of stuff as a youth and a, and a young amateur, I did not have the confidence to go in the regular amateur classes for one reason. And that reason is because when I was done showing, it was at a time when you did not use your legs. It was all your hands. Mm -hmm. You slowed your horse down by checking them up with your hands. And then all of a sudden I came back to the pleasure horse industry and it's like, oh, it's all legs. It's spur train. And I'm like, what? I used walk trot to learn how to ride again. I had to learn. In fact, I had to unlearn what I had done my entire life and relearn. And I used walk trot as that, as that modality or that place to do that. Mm -hmm. I felt a little guilty, but that's what I needed. Mm -hmm. And, and you were successful. You, I can guarantee you, you didn't make any enemies. I hope not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was where you needed to go to fit. And so that is the purpose for it. Unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, they are keeping the horse industry alive. Right. You pay attention to the numbers at any of these horse shows. And those walk trot classes are big and the class you pay the same fees you pay the same for your stall you know those walk trot classes are making the shows be able to be profitable if you had a crystal ball looking ahead how do you think walk trot will change do you not think it'll change what impact do you think it will continue to have on the industry Whoa, I guess I've never, I haven't really given it that much thought because, you know, while we're kind of in the last decade mm -hmm. of our being trainers, you know, we don't think about where it needs to be 20 or 30 years from now. 
Mm-hmm. It'll grow. Do you think it'll still continue to grow? Will it will it gain in prestige? Will it remain I the same? I think that it's going to continue to grow because our walk trot ladies grow mm-hmm. all the time. You know, somebody will see how much fun the group is having. And so they're like, I want to have a, a horse. I just, we just picked up a new girl from Kansas. I mean, she's flying in and out from Kansas to ride her horse. She and her sisters used to be my 4-H students. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. She has paid attention to me and Facebook. And, you know, I pretty much plaster all that stuff all over Facebook. Mm-hmm. And how much fun my ladies have had that she decided that she wants to do this for one year. Awesome. And so, you know, she bought a very nice horse. It's here. Mm -hmm. It's in training. We're getting it ready so she can go to the world show. And in theory, she thinks she's only going to do it for a year. (laughs) I know. When you said that, I'm like, it's not going to be one year. The fact that she came back to it. I mean, we, this is something that is so ingrained in our DNA that, you know, I'm already making plans. Lila's almost 16 years old. She's had a couple more years left with youth. I'm already gazing off into the future, trying to figure out what it's going to look like for me, because Mm -hmm. it's something that, and you know, it's part of who we are and it's our friendships and what we like to do on the weekend. So yeah, I don't think that's going to be a one-year gig for her. And, uh, and I was at her wedding long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And when her husband dropped the, dropped her and the horse off at Christmas time, they came here cause her mother's still here. And so she visits her mom. And when they dropped the horse off, I looked right at him and said, you knew <laughs> this when you married her, <laughs> this is nothing new for you. So, but you know, unfortunately and fortunately, it's good for the industry. I mean, mm-hmm. here is a very nice horses being cared for by veterinarians and new show clothes and training fees and blacksmiths. I mean, it's it's a far-reaching amount of dollars that it's putting back into the industry. It's a ripple effect, that's for sure. And half half of my ladies, if they had to lope, they they wouldn't own horses. Yeah. So you know, and we talk about there is a, a a big concern about youth and bringing youth into this industry. We grew up in a time where you played volleyball for a certain amount of time and basketball for a certain amount of time and you ran track and you had some 4-H and you had time to do things like show horses in the summer. We know now that volleyball goes year round and basketball goes year round and less there are less kids involved in the 4-H program overall. It really feels like the new blood is coming from, as you coin the phrase ladies, older women, and they will not be able to show at some point. Do you Mm -hmm. think that the walk trot for the youth has had as much impact, positive impact on the industry as the amateur walk trot? Yes, but there I do think that it's sometimes we kind of do abuse it because, you know, I've seen some of the kids stay in walk trot so long that when they, by the time they hit 13 and under, they only have one year of loping before they have to go to 14 to 18. 
And that happened. I mean, COVID was a big issue of that in the APHA because a bunch of kids, they got their COVID year back and then all of a sudden, boom, they don't have that much time left. I mean, they, no. yeah, yeah. And I think that what we really need to think of in the industry is this. If you really look at the numbers, mm-hmm. okay, numbers don't lie. You're married to an accountant. I am one. Numbers don't lie. <laughs> Correct. Okay. You can um, fudge them a little here and there, but right, right, right. <laughs> there's less youth. Yes. So consequently, there's just, of of trying to grab the numbers, there's just less numbers to grab. And so you can't, you know, I use our families as an example, you know, I mean, Brent and I are both from big families. I mean, he's from a family of six. I'm from a family of four. Every one of my siblings had one child. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. The most that his family had was three. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, right there, the math tells you that there's just less kids mm-hmm. and less kids. And it's a lot more expensive to get into it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know in reality that we can even hope to rekindle or grab youth. Does that make sense to you? It does. It's, it's, it hits you in the gut. Yeah. I mean, for an industry that we love, it's like, my gosh, we have to do something. I mean, there's that panic that comes through of, well, we have to find, we have to find youth to do this. And I don't know how to do that. I, I don't know either. I mean, you know, the only way that I can think that, and we had been a proponent a long time ago for like the breeders trust money that you would have for the amateurs that we somehow figure out a way to make scholarship money for youth. Okay. Uh So that they earn and they don't get it till they get become able to go to college. Uh I mean, we, there's trustees that manage all that money. Uh Yep. And you know, that would have been sent given a parent an incentive to say, you're going to play soccer or you're going to a horse show where I've got you a nice horse and we're going to get 40 points this weekend. Uh Guess what you're doing this weekend? Yeah. And we've talked about this in the past, but the, the headaches that we as parents get from coaches who think that when we go to horse shows, when these kids go to horse shows, that it's like a mini vacation. They don't yep. have a concept of the discipline, the hard work, the early mornings, the late nights, physical, mental, emotional, being a competitor, being a graceful loser, engaging with people from all across the country, the responsibility of caring for these animals. I mean, coaches, and even some coaches who might have a sense of it, do not truly comprehend what these kids go through. Yeah, I agree. Um, but with Walk Try, I think that we would agree that it's been it's had a huge impact from the amateur perspective, and a pretty good impact on the youth, maybe. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, fair. I I like to be able to send a youth in and let them have some success. 
Okay, instead of sending them in to the walk track canner right away. And unfortunately, when there used to be 15 in the class, there was Traffic. nine other kids that didn't place. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, exactly. So now when the classes are smaller, if there's only seven or eight, they know they fell last in the class. Yeah. So you really have to build them up to a the desire to win Mm -hmm. and b that comfort level of yes this is going to be okay my horse and i are going to be okay i mean go watch the the little walk trotters i mean our niece would be out there when she was five or six loping around and we'd send her in to walk trot Mm -hmm. but she got that comfort level of loping at the horse shows Mm -hmm. without worrying about she ruined somebody else's ride because she missed a lead or the horse came off the rail or all that other stuff. And well, there's that ring presence. I mean, going into a show, knowing how to walk trot and then, but yet doing it in a performance level in a show pen is a completely different experience. Yes. Navigating traffic, figuring things out, staying on the rail. It's, it takes a skill. And so it's nice that, that she was able to do that as well. You know, as we wrap this up, if you could change one thing about the walk trot division, what would it be? Would it would it be cool to have like the walk trot world championships? I mean, what if you could if you could do anything in your power for the walk trotters, what would it be? Hmm. Short term, I believe that because we are most active in the Pinot Association, I think that the Pinot Association should give year end walk trot awards like APHA does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because these ladies are supporting the horse shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what would I do for the walk trot? Or is it perfect the way it is? You know, there's this say- saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And as long as we're continuing to grow, I cannot say that it's broken. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. You know, the one thing that they do ask for regularly is a little more challenging patterns. They get tired of the really simple, you know, anybody can do them patterns. They want patterns that will separate the men from the boys. That's a really good point because I think you're right. I think there's an assumption that the walk trotters should have less challenging patterns where in reality it's not, it may not just be a, it's not a skill thing. It's just a one less gate thing. That's a good point. I mean, they, you can add an extended walk. You can add a slow walk. You can add a extended trot, you know, and the transitions between those various gates that just make it a little bit challenging and make that person work just a little harder to develop more skills. Love it. Julie, thanks for being with us today. I love this topic. It's fun to talk about the nuances of the pleasure industry and how important walk trot has been to you and your clients. Well, it's, it's, it's important to the industry. I mean, take us out of it. It is very important to the industry. And I, I'm going to go back to when I first, you asked me, I thought it was stupid when I first saw it. <laughs> and I don't but, think you were alone. I don't. I think there's a lot of people that thought it was stupid. But you have to watch how much these people are enjoying this. And this is a customer service business. You have to make the customers happy. And those customers in the walk trot classes are having fun 
and supporting our industry. What it's all about, right? Yep. Yep. What it's all about. So now, Gina, our listeners have had a chance to listen to Julie's perspective on the walk trot and your perspective, too, because you went from the walk jog while it was appropriate for you. And then you wanted to move into loping. I did. So that transition from the walk jog into the lope, not everybody wants to do that. The The walk trot classes are still huge. The walk jog lope classes are not as large and sue wiseman is going to share her perspective on that and what she's run into in her circuit all right listeners today i am visiting with sue wiseman from fort myers florida hi sue hi lynn how are you I'm good. So, Sue, this conversation was sparked by a post that you posted on Facebook on your personal account on February 4th. And what I will say before I talk about that post is that you have never been one to hold back your feelings. If you think it, you say it, whether it be politics or whatever, you think it, you say it, right? Which is why I end up in Facebook jail a lot, yes. <laughs> and so that's why <laughs> you have an alias on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> so when people listen to this, they're going to go, who the heck is Sue Wiseman? I heard somebody by the name of Janet post something about walk trot. So you're not necessarily hiding behind an alias, but it was a necessity based off of your Facebook standing. Correct. <laughs> So, Sue, you and I, we go way, 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 way back. And when I remember meeting you, you came, you had a really beautiful bay quarter horse and you were showing the the open show circuit in Florida. Like we would go to the Punta Gorda shows and you were really happy and enjoying showing locally. And then I moved away. And the next thing I know, you are at the Pinto World. And you bought the champion Western Pleasure Horse at the Pinto World and yeah. the Junior Pleasure in 2020, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, you went there with a mission. You yes. apparently decided to go buy the best. Yes. I wanted my last hurrah to be. I, I've been obsessed with Western Pleasure for ever, ever since I won my first Western saddle showing hunter under saddle at Punta Gorda Horseman's Association. I said, if I win the English high point, can I have a Western saddle? And that's where it all started. That's right. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So then that's when, so what year was that? Remember? Oh, that was like 1996 or something <laughs> like that. And then I showed paints for a while. And then I showed, then when the paint started splitting up then I showed quarter horses because I only wanted to show locally like Venice or Tampa or Fort Pierce and then they started going farther away so then I got back in into paints and that's when I said I want I want the best western pleasure horse that I can afford yeah, that was a big deal to you to be able to go buy that quality of a horse. I mean, I yeah. imagine that was something that you had dreamed of, hoped for, wondered if it would ever happen. Like this was a dream come true horse for you. Yes. Yes. I never knew what it felt like to ride th that quality of horse. I had to learn how to ride all over again. 
right? Because you were doing the the all around events. So tell us about the horse. Tell us about the horse that you bought and where he came from and tell us a little bit about him. Well, me and my trainer had been looking for a, a long, long time and everything I looked at, she's like, nope, nope, nope. I mean, she's got a really, really, really good eye. And I went out to Pinto World with a list of horses to look at and everything I looked at, she's like, nope, nope, nope. I go, can we at least try? No, no. And then uh, I was sitting at at a, one of the arenas watching a friend of mine went out there and she bought Aaron Bradshaw's, one of, one of John Simon's horses. And I was just watching her school it in the arena and her husband came up to me and said, that horse is for sale. We were watching the horse go around the Mike Hactel was riding. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he goes, that, that horse is for sale. I'm like, oh, really? I like that one. So I called my trainer and within two seconds, she, she was like, I know which horse it is. I love it. I'll be right there. And uh, she came over, we rode it and, and and vetted it and took it home. Well, and what I remember from that too, is that I don't think that you were in Tulsa when that horse won its world championship. I think you were back home. Well, I was back home, but I had already paid for it. And I was hoping they were going to announce my name as owner. (laughs) I was like, I "I just got robbed. Yeah. The class class ran until 2am that night. And I, I watched it and recorded it on my laptop and him loping up and I was like cool because now we'd probably be more if I had waited to buy him tomorrow (laughs) yeah that was a that was a smart move but I mean it's kind of one of those deals though like I mean that would have been a great win picture for you to stand in like couldn't you have extended that trip just a little longer no because they announced the other owner so they wouldn't well I suppose (laughs) you could have still gotten the picture yeah, I, yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I I told him not even to show him. I said I said don't even bother showing him. He's like, oh no, I'm showing him. Like, okay. I imagine. Oh right, yeah. Why wouldn't you want him to show him? I, I don't know. <laughs> I I was just like nervous. <laughs> well, and because again, the caliber of that horse. I mean, he was a badass. What what tell, what's his name? Cool looking dude. Our, our cool looking dude. And what what was his barn name? His barn name, they named him Coolio, but I renamed him Casey after Casey Dutton on Yellowstone. Oh, I like that. Okay. I like it. So, all right. So now it is, you're back to, you're back to Florida with this amazing horse, Casey. And Sue, I remember when the horse shows in Florida were absolutely huge. Your the Western Pleasure classes and the youth classes would be six point classes. I mean, they would be full. Yeah. Junior pleasure would be full. The two year old maturity would have 15 in it. Maybe like the wishbone might even have 20 or 30 in it. Like we we were showing at really big shows in Florida. What happened? I I, I seriously don't know. I, I really don't know because I think it's happening. I don't know if it's happening in quarter horses also. But in, in between buying this horse, I bought the love of my life horse as a yearling that was double registered out of VS Code Blue. And he got navicular at three and he was amazing. Oh and I still, I still have him in my field and I've been trying to rehab him for a couple years now without nerving him because I, I just didn't want to go down that path. But but I might because he's just such a fantastic horse all around. 
So, Sue, when had you been going to the paint shows, like, had you noticed that the numbers had dropped off or did you, when you went to your first show, were you surprised? I was shocked. Like, you hadn't been going because I had been showing quarter horse. And then I, you know, decided to get back into paints. And no, I had no idea. Like, I, I would go there, be all ready and look around and several shows I I ended up not even showing because there was not only nobody in my class there wasn't even there was nobody in the junior western pleasure for her to take him in so it was just a big waste of money and those shows aren't cheap no no I had a like a, a trainer that was hauling my horse and charging me day fees and splitting the hotels and all that. And I was like, like, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. And I I hear Regina talk about that too. So, I mean, we show cutting horses, so our entry fees are really expensive. But the fun thing about showing cutting horses is if you have a good one and you have a good run, you can win your entry fees back and maybe a little bit more. So I like that about showing the cutting horses. But when you're going to these pleasure horse shows, you're just trying to win some points and maybe a ribbon if they happen to have them that day for a circuit award. Right. And bragging rights. Exactly. I always go to work and like I'll come in with a high point tumbler. Did you win any money? No, but this cup cost me a couple grand. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's, I mean, and honestly, that's probably for a weekend show where your expenses a couple thousand. Oh, Yeah. Right. That's just your trainer, your hotel, your meals, your stall, your entry fees, a couple thousand. So what we're talking about today is the trend in the industry to go from the walk, trot, lope to the walk, jog. So, Sue, at your shows in Florida, how many would be in the walk, trot? About 20. So they'd be huge. Yeah. And so we're going to play a little bit good cop, bad cop, me, of course, being the good cop and you being the controversial bad cop, because you were very outspoken. And and one of the things that you mentioned in your Facebook post was like video killed the radio star, walk trot killed the lopers. Yep. Very profound. And I told you, I, I was upfront with you about this and, and I didn't, I didn't listen to Regina's podcast because she talked to Julie Harnish because Harnishes have a barn full of amateurs that show walk trot. They show a lot of Pinto, but they're, and they're, and some paint, but their, their clients are mostly showing Pinto and they're doing walk trot and, and they're very big advocates of the walk trot. And in your post, I mean, you talk about that there's, a, there's a lot of, of amateurs that have been doing walk trot for years and perhaps it's time for them to lope. Perhaps. <laughs> yes. Unless they're crippled or their horse is crippled. Like I put in my thing, they, they should be embarrassed to keep going in there and doing that. I have a particular person in mind that, that I know that's a friend of the family's and I, I, I rag on her constantly. Cause I'm like, I'm like, you, you're proud of yourself that you went in there and and won a class and walked trot. I mean, like a five-year-old could do that. I don't, I don't get why you, why can't you lope? Your horse can lope. You can lope. You used to show hunter and her saddle and all around at quarter horse shows. Why? 
why aren't you loping? I, I don't understand. And do, you think it's a, do you think it's a soundness issue? I, I talked to Kevin a little bit about this too. And Kevin's like, oh my word. He said, I'd probably still be training horses if all I had to do is walk jog. Because it's so hard to keep those horses in frame and keep them loping good and to keep them sound. So do you feel like it's, is it a performance issue? Is it a social issue? It's just fun to go do walk trot and not have to worry about keeping those horses framed up. What what is it? That it's all I I to me there there's not very many great lopers, but still I mean you, you can the last quarter horse I had she wasn't a, a great loper but. She did the all around. She did Western riding, trail, showmanship, horsemanship. So you go in that just to go towards your your high point. And now n- nobody's nobody's doing that. In quarter horse, the horses are so specialized. Like, I mean, because I know Regina has recently been kind of investigating showing quarter horses. And you've got to have a hunter under saddle horse. And you've got to have a Western pleasure horse. And there's probably even a showmanship horse. So you've got to have like three or four horses to go to the quarter horse show now, but it wasn't like that then. Yeah. Right. And, and so that that's kind of a change. Yes. A sad change. Yes. So for paints, what you're seeing is maybe people don't have the specialized horses unless you go to the world show, but they don't have the specialized horses at the weekend shows, but they're just doing walk trot. They're not, they're doing walk trot trail. They're doing walk trot showmanship. Like, right. Is showmanship broken out by, walk jog or do they just showmanship show together no it's it is there's a walk trot showmanship and they only walk in it but oh my what what kills me is that those points it's called amateur walk trot showmanship so those points that they get in that (sighs) class go towards the amateur high point like for for the year end for APHA in general. So like one of the things I was going to point out was that last year, the top 30 masters amateur, there was not one single person from the, well, there were, there were two people on there from Florida. One of them did halter and one of them did walk trot. So I think that the walk trot division should have its own top 30 or 20 that should say walk trot amateur instead of taking that away from the walk trot loper top 20. You you see what I'm saying? I'm not sure that everybody in the industry, like if we don't show pains, I don't think that that's common knowledge. I didn't know that. I just looked up all the statistics while I'd written them down. I looked them up a while ago and I lost my paper. So I just, I'm actually on the APHA online right now. And I don't think that, uh, that, and the one person that is in the top 30 of master's amateur is, is from Florida and does, and does walk trot. I think they should have their own division. Interesting. So, Sue, you were trying to show novice amateur. So what you wanted to do was you you qualified for the novice amateur classes and you wanted to show Casey in the novice amateur Western pleasure. You'd go to the show and there'd be, you'd be the only one. So, I mean, why even go in? You don't want, you're not going to compete against yourself. So one of the questions that I had for you was, is why not move up to the amateur? Why didn't you just do the amateur classes then? Well, 
Because I didn't have the experience of, I mean, you have to have 50 points to point out of novice. And, the you know, frankly, those were younger, skinnier people. <laughs> <laughs> they just looked a lot better on a horse than I did. And, and I also found that that, that you kind of got dinged a little if you went in novice amateur and then also in the amateur because they looked at you like you're a novice. Why are you in the amateur class? So then my, so. my next question was, you know, well, why not the masters? But you said that the, the masters walk, trot, lope and the amateur were combined to make a class, make the class. Yeah, the classic amateur and the masters amateur. Yeah, because there was only a handful anyways so what do we do Sue? what do we do to bring back the entries to to our shows how do we make how do we get youth involved how do we get yeah um, it's happening in youth also which is really sad youth has the same same problem i did look up the statistics for 2022 novice amateur top 30 and there was zero in, in the state of florida so i mean and then the honor roll for Novice Amateur Western Pleasure, again, there was zero in Florida out of a list of 50. But then they had like Germany, Canada, and Switzerland was on that list. So some somewhere there's some horses doing it. I don't understand why they're not in Florida because Florida is a big show state. It's gotten so expensive. Are they doing, do you, are your open shows big? Like are your, are the people like when, at the Punta Gorda shows, are those shows still large? No, they're, 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 no. Mm-mm. So where did all these people go that were showing quality horses? I think they're just all too poor. <laughs> right. and, I mean, and so like, that is something that like the cutting horses, the cutting horse association is trying to address because it got to be, the, it was a rich man's sport and cutting it. And, and don't let me lead you on to believe that like the weekend cutting horse events are cheap because they're not, but there needed to be a place for the weekend cutter. Not everybody is going to haul up and down the road to those big NCHA shows that last for weeks and weeks and weeks. There needed to be somewhere for us to show that was more affordable. And so you have these branch off, like we have like the United States Cutting Horse Association, which Kevin and I, we love the USCHA and we show USCHA. There's also the World Cutting Horse Association. So they're kind of a spinoff of the NCHA. So is that what these associations need to, to do? I mean, you don't have any Pinto in Florida, is there? There wasn't back when I lived there. Yeah, no, they actually combine most of these shows are combination paint pinto shows. Yeah. So even with the combination. All right. So here's another question for you. So I see all the time dual registered. Oh, it's it's paint and it's quarter horse. I can't remember like the the acronym that they use, but everything is like double registered. Is that so are these paint horses with limited color going to the quarter horse shows? I I don't know, but that was my intention with, with my double registered. And actually, the, the first paint I ever got was a crop out. But then again, I hear if they have a lot of color, then then the quarter horse, then they don't get placed while well the quarter horse shows. So I, I, what I think they should do is just combine quarter horse and paint and just have like a stock horse show and 
you know, try to get more. One of one of the little shows down here, they they started a new one called the Florida Color Horse Club, and they have all the shows up in Newberry outside in Gainesville, and they that includes anything with color, Pinto, paint, and Appaloosa. So they that that just started, I think, this year, and we had been going to those shows and having a, having a lot of fun there. But again, that that was the last show that I was at where I walked in my class, you know, that I waited three days to go in and looked around and there was nobody in there. And I walked right out the out gate and then told and told my trainer, I go to sell my horse. And you did, didn't you? You sold your Casey. Your Casey went to California to the West Coast. He made one phone call and off he went because he was that good. <laughs> so, and she, plus she didn't want to see him. We didn't want to see him again because it was really sad and we didn't want to show against him. So we didn't want him here. <laughs> I mean, for, for a trainer, it's not a bad gig to have a barn full of walk trotters. No, no. But then she has a, a an amazing horse like your Casey and she can't find any, I mean, because I bet that there's nothing she would rather do than go sit on that horse in a junior pleasure class full of good horses. Nope. Yep. She, she, yeah. She's like, I have not, I have not shown in years. I've just been coaching. She goes, but she could, yeah. She's like, I'm, I'm showing this one. He's amazing. But I mean, her, her people are legitimately walk trotters. They're very beginners or the horse can't lope. So in her case, everything makes sense. And maybe that is with all of the barns. Um, the horses either can't lope or the rider can't lope. So, so perhaps what the association should take a look at is a point system. Like you point out of novice amateur and you cannot go in the novice amateur anymore. Should there be a point out for walk? Yeah, trot? I believe 100%. There, there, or there should be a novice amateur walk trot. So the, so the novice amateurs don't have to show against the amateurs and then i i think okay so at all of these shows in the florida paint horse club in order to go for a high point to be eligible for high point you have to go in a halter class and you have to go in a color class which i for the life of me don't understand why if you have a minimal paint that you're just wasting your time and money going in that class, but it's required. You have to. And I, I don't know why, like somebody must have a horse that they want to win the color, you know, of the century on. So they're forcing you to go in those classes. So my thing is why not give incentive to go in the lope classes? I said, can let's, let's ramp that up. Let's give, incentive to go in the lope classes and then and and make that a requirement of of your high point you know what i mean i i mean i was going in those classes i hated them i hate halter i have some of the good we have to get up early in the morning if you're gonna do halter you've got to get up in the morning if you just do western pleasure you can kind of sleep in have your coffee have some breakfast and they're forcing you they're forcing me that whereas i hate mornings shirts t-shirts to get up and go in there and walk around and or possibly run which i hate doing which i don't that's why i don't do showmanship 
And they're making me do that. And I hate it. I hate it. But do you um, have to pay for those classes? Like if you go in color with your yes. almost solid horse, do you have to pay the entry fee? Yes. Okay. I could see where that would be controversial. Well, luckily, most of the time they have a poor boy, which is all inclusive. Uh, but still, I'm like, I, I, I weigh the option. Do I want to pay to go in this class that I have to go in to possibly win, you know, a hat, a high point, you know, cup so I can brag. So I would do it just because I'm like, I'm here. Let's try to go for high point. I, I love prizes. I don't care what it is. I just want to win a prize. So I would force myself to, to go in that. And I, I don't understand why. Like the Florida Color Horse Club, the n- new one they started, you don't have to. There's no restrictions. You don't have to do that. But the Florida Paint Horse Club, you have to. And I've asked a thousand times why and don't have there's no answer so yeah and i think that there's a lot of people that agree that these associations need to start thinking out of the box i mean i just we released an episode this week with riley morgan and she is the young trainer that's horse tested positive for trace amounts of caffeine and they traced it back to the the m&ms yeah and and they gave her such a strict punishment for i mean they didn't they didn't suspend her and they I think they wrote in the on the magazine and the journal that it was trace amounts of caffeine caused by candy, but they still kept her eleven thousand dollars in all of her prize money. So I think that like the focus on the trace amount of caffeines should perhaps turn around and a, a focus on the association and what you're facing in the state level and how the association can just not look at these big shows, but to promote these local the the state shows and keep people interested and coming to those shows. Yes. And, and also, you know, it's been illegal to do tails for, I don't know how long, but that the tails are all done. And why aren't they testing the tails? If they can find a trace amount of caffeine. Yeah. Why, why are we not testing tails? We have the same thing in the, in the cutting horse industry. I mean, you're going to go to a cutting and you're going to see most of those maturity horses, their tails have been done. I mean, it's just, it's just like it's everybody breaks that rule, but nobody's enforcing that rule. However, we did enforce the trace amounts of caffeine. And then there's a whole new topic when it comes to Botox, Sue. I mean, oh, like, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, again, the normal human being that would go to the world show that doesn't have access or the want to do all of the cheating, wh- why wouldn't they be discouraged to go to those shows? They, they, they want are. to show they they want to show in their state, but yet in your state, we can't pull enough people to fill a novice amateur Western pleasure class. Yeah, no, I was at a a, a show once, and I was hitting with a, a trainer that was there, and you know, I have a crabby had a crabby mare, and and they're like, you need to go over to that tent right over there and get her ears done, and I'm like, what? And I said, no, sorry, I don't want to win that bad. I, I, that's why I like my trainer. She doesn't, she doesn't do shortcuts. She doesn't tie them in their stall. She doesn't do I mean, she's just gentle and natural. And if I can't win at that level, then I I don't want to play. You listened to our episode about changing trainers. Yes. I think that you had a couple of comments that you wanted to make about that. Well, yes, because 
you know, my trainer won't take your money, which I appreciate if the horse isn't going to go anywhere and she'll do the best that she can with them. But then honestly say, look, I can't there. This horse has issues physically. There's nothing more I can do. And instead of like being glad that they're not, you know, being strung along, like, yeah, sure. I'll keep trying to make this horse lope when it's never going to lope correctly. They get mad and go somewhere else and hold it against her for being honest. They're going to, they'll, they'll think that another trainer could go ahead and get that horse going and, you know, probably all sorts of medication and painkillers later, you know, they're, they're at another barn and and your trainer yeah. was honest and yeah. and yes. had the best interest of the horse at heart. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. She's not going to, you know, force a horse to do something it, it can't do. Or perhaps those are the horses that should just walk trot, Sue. Oh, exactly there. Now we've came full circle. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was trying to bring it back to, to our, our they, subject, but, but and they, I mean, are, they are, they are in, in reality, they are, but you know, I, I liked when Regina said that she, you know, appreciated a, a trainer that, that was honest with her and said, Hey, maybe, you know, I, I've gone as far as I can go. And that's very gracious of her to appreciate that instead of, you know, begrudgingly take the horse somewhere else. Yeah. Well, Sue, I don't, I I feel bad. So what is your next step? Because you can't be out of horses. I would feel bad if you were out of the horses. So what is the next step? Is it a cutting horse? And let me hook you up. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Brandy commented in my post and Brandy, your daughter's like, mom, let's do it. I know, I know, I know. But of course, mom has to, you know, go buy it and mom has to do everything. And I don't think there's, I don't know if there's any cutting trainers down here. Oh, Sue, Sue, Sue. Yes. Yes. There's a whole Florida Cutting Horse Association. All right. Well, you're going to have to, you know, <laughs> send me some info. No, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something for her, you know, a horse for her. Frankly, I'd, I'm, I'd rather just you know, match people's shirts and, and pads and dress them. I, I just want to make sure everybody is matchy matchy. <laughs> and so is, is that, so is that the, is that, I hate to see you be done, but are you done? Are you done showing for right now? You're not gonna, you're not going to, if you can't beat them, join them. You're not going to go to the walk trot. Never, never. I'd rather golf and I don't even know how to golf. <laughs> No, I'm I'm looking for something for for Brandy. She's you know ripe age. She can she can do it. I'll go to the shows and be horse show mom. And and she doesn't have to have a perfect loper like that horse that I just had. He was not an all around horse. He'll never be an all around horse. And 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 that's another thing I didn't understand. I said, look, can we start teaching him trail? Because I love trail. And she's like, my trainer was like, I'll tell you what, if you add the trail you're going to take away from his Western pleasure because they cannot do both. And that was heartbreaking to me because I was like, I just assumed you could take any horse and teach them trail and not ruin what they were meant to do. What do you think of that? So I think that you need to go show quarter horse so that you can just specialize in one event like you were trying to do in the APHA. 
Okay, well, that's all well and good. So, so far, I've asked about three quarter horses for sale. And the last one I asked was 250000 Ouch. <laughs> so, I thought maybe they added an extra zero. And I was like, <laughs> no. Yeah, the prices of horses right now is ridiculous. Yeah, so I don't know that we've solved anybody's problems today. We I feel better. But you feel well. So, Sue, let me close this by thanking you for your candid answers and your open opinion about all of this. And and there's absolute merit to everything that you've said. And let's hope that the industry gets this figured out so we can all go show and have fun. Lynn, this has been I've enjoyed listening to both perspectives. And frankly, I've enjoyed talking to you about it as well. I don't know what the right answer is for Walk Trot. Neither neither Julie nor Sue are wrong. It's a problem in the industry. So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.